Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Lords of Limited. My name is Ben Warney, and joining me on the line, as always, is Mr. Ethan Intrepid Explorer Sax. <laughs> We're getting into some Lost Caverns of Ixalan. Ethan, and I have the question that the people want to know the answer to. Uh-huh. Are you ready to make episode titles with LCI in them? I don't know. I don't know if I am. I think... Are you up to the challenge? What, well, like, here's my question is, like, does it have to be LCI? Can it not be Lost? Can I not just... Well, that's what I saw in our episode titles, yeah. and I was a little underwhelmed, if I'm being honest. I want you to rise to the occasion, my friend. I, I promise at least one episode title that has LCI in it, but I, I, I don't – look, <laughs> I don't plan these out weeks in advance. They they often come to me in a, in a fever dream, you know, so I, I'll, uh, I'll see what I can do. I'm not I'm, – I guess the, the short answer is no, I'm not ready. <laughs> <laughs> you're a bit overwhelmed with the task a bit overwhelmed it doesn't seem fair yeah like i feel like i was getting my groove with bro and one and mom and whoa and now just pulling the rug out from under you licky yeah i don't, I don't know what to do <laughs> um how are you doing my friend it's been a big weekend for you it has been a big weekend we had marching man state champs we ended up in fourth place uh out of the 10 state finalists. So awesome result. Bit of a letdown for kids last year after winning. But I think with some time and perspective, they'll see, you know, it's an awesome season and they did a, did a great show. It's always tough. Marching Man's kind of weird in that, you know, performance order matters. The scores tend to inflate a little bit mm. as the day we perform second, which is always a tough spot to perform as well when you're trying to compete for one of the top spots. So, um, yeah, huge congrats to the Jasper Marching Wildcats. I am running on fumes. Ethan has already seen me do several weird things this morning. I am just dying. Like, I've been randomly going to the bathroom, and I'll be, like, brushing my teeth in the middle of the day because I'm just in the bathroom. I'm, like, <laughs> operating on full muscle memory. I need a couple days to uh, rest and recharge. Yeah, I'm very proud of you. You know, we're we're doing this in the middle of Arena Open Weekend, and, you know, there is definitely a version of Ben who would have been up until four or five in the morning trying to qualify after getting home from a full day of marching band finals. And I got a very reasonable discord message at midnight saying I'm tapping out. I got to wake up in the morning and get prepped for the show, which, hey, man, that's that's growth right there. I chose the podcast over fame and glory of the arena open. But, yeah, I wanted to make sure I was prepared because I've been reading spoilers in the discord, but I hadn't gone through Every single card. So I set an alarm, woke up, read through all the cards, feel like I've got some good things to contribute. And I was shouting obscenities at my computer at midnight and I decided eh, this isn't worth it. Ah, <laughs> I'm going to bed. So good. Yeah, it's not <laughs> often that I wake up and open the Google Doc and see and see the B, the green B in the circle. Like Ben's in the dock already. Wow, here he is. Um, but yeah, we are going to be going over uh, the Lost Caverns of Ixalan previews that are up to date on the, the morning here of uh, October 29th. You know, I'm sure we'll be woefully out of date come Monday when the episode is out, but at least give you a nice flavor of some commons and uncommons, and those are the only cards we'll be going over today. The commons and uncommons that have uh, been previewed sort of get a lay of the landscape here as we go spelunking into Ixalan. Ben, how do you feel about going back to Ixalan? I have some, like, this is really sort of the first like podcast nostalgia because so the first set that we ever did was hour of devastation which was the second set in the Amonkhet block and then after that was ixalan and rivals of ixalan so i have a lot of like fond memories of like i feel like we were getting our bearings as podcasters I feel like we had some really big level ups for like ourselves as magic players during the set even though ixalan itself is not like a well-regarded limited format in the community at large i think 
it holds a very special place in my heart. Absolutely. I've got some rose-colored glasses for Ixalan, certainly. And this version of Ixalan looks to be new and improved. This set looks deep. Cavern pun not intended. Yeah, yeah. There's there's quite a bit to get go over. So we'll uh, we'll dive into the new mechanics, and then we've got some categories of cards in, in various stages here. And we'll, of course, be ending with everyone's favorite segment, great or garbage. Uh, but before we get into that, some housekeeping stuff. First things first is the Patreon page. Patreon.com slash Lords of Limited is where folks can go to give back to the show if they so choose. Of course, the show is always free, but we have some great perks over at the Patreon page. Let's work Let's work top to bottom here. I always go bottom up. Let's start at the top. The tippy top, monthly coaching sessions with me or Ben. Can you believe it? An hour all to yourself. I was working with someone this week and they were like, maybe we need to start doing some pioneer coaching sessions. And I was like, are you going to be coaching me on Pioneer? Because <laughs> I'm certainly not prepared to be doing the reverse. Um, but the hour, as far as I can can say, the hour is yours to do with what you see fit. If that's what you want, if you want some bad uh, Pioneer Rakdos sacrifice advice, I'm your man. And that's the top tier of the Patreon page can get you there. Uh, moving down, you get access to a really nice private section of our Discord. Um, some folks using that for some gameplay review this morning, which I loved. Um, you can get access to the show a day in advance. You can get access to our show notes. And of course, everybody gets access to the Lords of Limited Discord, the best place for 24-7 limited tech support. High stakes event on Arena this weekend with the Arena Open. Great spot to have people take a look at your pool on day one. And of course, with a new set rolling around like Lost Caverns of Ixalan, it's a great place to dive in to spoiler discussions once the full set drops people will be doing you know practice drafts on the heroku app people will be uh throwing up their tier lists and comparing it's really an awesome community to get involved in for new set season and we want to shout out our new patrons the first week that they join so this week we're welcoming axel wright james stelmeria isle benjamin mark and x warwicks Thank you, thank you, thank you. We really appreciate your support. Yeah, cannot say thank you enough. Those folks know what's up. They're getting in on the Discord at the beginning of a new set, and you should be also. Show is also brought to you by Cool Stuff Inc., coolstuffinc.com, where they've got cool stuff in stock. And right now, that is Lost Caverns of Ixalan pre-orders. This is it, Ethan, the last real draft set. Before everything is done with play boosters, you need to load up on those booster boxes in your closet. Wow, that's so true. The final one, the last OG draft set. My draft is dead. Draft is dead. It's going to be unfortunate. Mm -hmm. But really, I mean, draft is going to be continuing on well and strong, but it will likely be a different experience. And in all seriousness, could be nice to have a box of Lost Caverns of Ixalan in the closet. Or maybe you've got some rose-colored glasses as well for Ixalan, like Ethan and I do. And you want to get one of those boxes ready to go to crack as soon as they are available. So whatever you're purchasing, whether it's Lost Caverns of Ixalan pre-orders or anything else gaming related, please be sure to use checkout code LOL, all caps, to get 5% off anything in the store when you order at CoolStuffInc.com. All right, let's dive into the new mechanics. And there are some, I feel like everything I want to say is a pun. I'm like, there are some deep mechanics in the caverns. (laughs) Okay, first up, we've got craft. So craft is an activated ability that lets you exile the card with craft and return it to the battlefield transformed under your control as long as you pay the required cost. So transforming double-faced cards, we have certainly seen before. They will be returning here in Ixalan. We'll get to those in just a second. 
But for craft specifically, there are three things that you have to have, three uh, ingredients for this recipe. You're going to have to exile the permanent with craft. You're going to have to exile the specified materials. So craft will tell you, as we'll get into an example card in a second, it'll tell you what you have to exile. And then you're going to have to pay some mana. So what's our example card here? We've got Idol of the Deep King, two in a red for an artifact with flash. When it ETBs, it deals two damage to any target. And you can craft with an artifact for two in a red. And that means you pay two in a red, exile Idol of the Deep King, and this artifact can be, this is worth noting for craft, on the battlefield or from your graveyard. Any combination of battlefield and graveyard, because sometimes you're going to be crafting with multiple permanents mm-hmm. as well. So it could be nice to have things in the graveyard to exile so that you get to keep your board presence. And when you do complete that crafting with artifact, this transforms into Sovereign's Machuatil. <laughs> no idea. Totally butchered that. Oh. <laughs> I'm sure. But here, here's the deal. There's we're going to get our pronunciation guide for next week. OK, I know there's a lot of a lot of uh, scuttle about like, you know, we got to make sure that we're faithful to the pronunciations of the cards. Just bear with us this week. It's preview season. You get a preview of our terrible pronunciations next week. We'll have it on lockdown. OK, that's that's my Listen, promise. I've got four years of high school Spanish here. Four years. And the best you came up with was Mahuajil. <laughs> so, yeah, really good. What's uh, what's this card do? When it ETBs, attach it to target creature you control. It's an equipment. An equipped creature gets plus two plus O oh, with an equipped cost of two. Bespoke battle garb. It's back in pog form. <laughs> in the sideboard. It's back in the sideboard. Yeah, so uh, a lot going on there for just a common, right? Three mana flash deal two. Uh, that's how craft works. Um, flips into that equipment if you want to do that. Okay, so zooming out a little bit, we've got transforming double-faced cards as well. Absolutely. So in addition to crafting, Lost Caverns of Ixalan is going to feature other normal transforming double-faced cards that flip in more traditional ways rather than paying the cost, exiling some materials, and crafting. So for example, we've got Treasure Map, which is a returning card. Yeah, so this is two mana for an artifact. You can pay one, tap, scry one, put a landmark counter on Treasure Map. Then if there are three or more landmark counters on it, you remove those counters, transform Treasure Map, and create three treasure tokens. Important to note, I think, just the difference between some of the transforming double face cards and crafting, that some exile, right? Some are going to, like the craft ones, you do the thing, you combine, exile, return to the battlefield. Treasure Map doesn't do that. It's not leaving, right? It's just... Flippin' just transforms and it flips into Treasure Cove, which is a land that taps to add colorless or tap, sacrifice a treasure, draw a card. A, fa- a cube favorite of mine, even though it's quite slow. Yeah, super powerful and limited. Next mechanic we've got is a new one. This is a bit of a multi purpose word here. We've got descend, descended, descend number. There's a, there's a lot of different iterations. And descend, so yeah. Descent, yes. So the first use of this word, this is kind of a multi-purpose word, is descending as a verb. So you've descended this turn if a permanent card entered your graveyard from anywhere. So if you see descended, it's kind of morbid, essentially. It's a new way to say morbid. Yeah, so we've got a Blood Rage Mycoid. It's a common three and a black for a four three. Speaking of, can we talk about the heinous set symbol here and how it is impossible to know what rarity things are? No, we cannot. That's the scuttle in the community. And I think everyone needs to go to the eye doctor. I have never once not known what rarity something is. There's a compass, right? And the edges of the compass are filled in clearly with the color that the card is. If the edges of the compass are black, it's a common. If they're silver, it's uncommon. If it's gold, rare. And if it is red, orange, mythic rare. 
I will not be taking complaints at this time. I know this is a cold take, but I am sick of reading on Twitter about everyone complaining. Like, get your eyes checked. Or I think it's because people are on mobile. It is a bit hard, maybe, if you're looking at a teeny, teeny, tiny card. But, like, blow that thing up. Zoom in. I, I have no complaints about this set symbol. I, as someone who has 20-20 vision, because I do go to the eye doctor, I know that. <laughs> <laughs> this is impossible for me to distinguish. Anyway, uh, three and a black for a four three at the beginning of your end step. If you descended to this turn, you get a one one black fungus creature token with this creature can't block. So that's step one. That's just like descended permanent goes into your graveyard from anywhere during the turn you've descended. Well, and we should talk about I mean, that is morbid, right? Harder than you think to get it to happen. Yeah, tough to know. So morbid was uh, if a creature died for you, right? So there's more here. Like this should be easier because this is permanent. So it could be sack an artifact or whatever for an ability. I don't know how often that's going to happen. Whatever. There are lands that you can sacrifice to do a thing. And uh, descended is from anywhere. So if there's any mill that happens, if there's, I don't know why, is any looting that you might be doing, discard a thing. So ostensibly easier than Morbid to trigger, but yeah, it's it's not um, like it's going to happen every turn without some work. So that's Descended. Then we've got Descend 4 and Descend 8 as abilities that care about thresholds of four or eight permanent cards in your graveyard. So for example, we have Didact Echo. It's four and a blue for a, let me look at the bottom left, a common Four and a blue for a 3-2. When Didact <laughs> Echo enters the battlefield, draw a card. And if you have Descend 4, it has Flying, as long as there are four or more permanent cards in your graveyard. Yeah, and I think that'll be cool to see how hard it is to hit each threshold of 4 and 8, I think. Mostly what I'm looking for that we haven't seen yet in any of these cards is something that mills yeah. or like gives you ways to like flip things oh. into your graveyard. That will be pretty huge synergy piece in this format if it exists. It does exist. It's called Explore. Yeah, I guess. I, mean, I think okay. that's the way you're... I mean, I don't I don't think we're going to see a lot of mill. I think it's exploring that is the way you're going to be getting permanence in your yard. That's fair. I want like a Seder Wayfinder. <laughs> look at the top four, get a land, bin the other three. Nice, yeah. <laughs> it would be very nice. So the last version of Descending here is a Fathomless Descent, which is where you drop the rock down the hole and you never hear it hit the bottom Ooh. of the hole as an adventurer. Uh, they're similar in how they check a permanence to descend four and descend eight, but it scales with however many number of permanents are in your graveyard. So for example, we've got song of stupefaction here, which is one in a blue for an aura enchant creature or vehicle. When ETBs, you may mill two cards. Hey. There's the mill. And I hadn't really quite clocked that on that card yet. Hmm. So I'm bumping this up a bit in my pick order. I already liked it and like it a little bit more now. Uh, Fathomless Descent, Enchanted Permanent gets minus X minus O, where X is the number of permanent cards in your graveyard. I wonder why, I guess it's because they wanted to have the four and the eight, but like, why not just call this Descend X? Just because Fathomless Descent is cool. Way cooler. <laughs> you can't fathom how deep the cavern is. So that is Descended. So that's going to be pretty cool. I imagine... Yeah, maybe not tough to track in paper, but something to track in paper. Um, Discover is up next. Discover always comes with a number, and that number tells you the mana value you're limited to. So when you're told to discover, you exile cards from your library one at a time until you exile a non-land card with that mana value or less, and then you can cast that card without paying its mana value or put it into your hand, which is just, for us limited players, I mean, this seems like it's going to break some constructed stuff. 
But for us limited players, this is just Cascade, but better. Because like the issue with Cascade sometimes was Cascade didn't give you the choice. So the issue with Cascade was if you flipped a combat trick you didn't want to play, if you flipped an X spell, X was always zero and you had to cast it. This just counterspells. Yeah, counterspells solves that problem. So it goes right into your hand. Yeah, this mechanic is bonkers. So here's an example. We've got Geological Appraiser. Two red red for a 3-2 when it ETBs. If you cast it, discover three. So for four mana, you're going to get a 3-2 plus a free card that costs 3-2 or one that you can either put straight onto the battlefield or if you hit something that you don't want to cast at that point in time, put it in your hand. Like why, God forbid, Cascade would have some deck building requirements. Let's just make it all upside. Yeah, strictly better Cascade. Discover seems bonkers good to me and i hope it's not on a lot of cards it hasn't been so far yeah. which is encouraging next we've got explore which is a returning mechanic so if a creature you control explores you reveal a top card of your library if the revealed card is a land you put it into your hand and if not you put a plus one plus one counter on the creature and then you get to choose whether to put that card back on top of your library or into your graveyard so what do we got here as an example of explore we've got kinjali's dawn runner this is two and a white for a one one uncommon with double strike and when it enters the battlefield, it explores. So it's either going to be a three mana one one double striker that draws you a land or a three mana two two double striker that lets you surveil one. All right. And then the next mechanic, which is kind of a, a version of explore that plays well with some of the other sets mechanics, which is pretty cool. Uh, these are map tokens, which is the new artifact token for the set. Uh, rectangle theory back in full force. We'd love to see it. So map tokens are colorless artifact tokens with the ability of one tap, sacrifice this artifact, and target creature you control explores. You can activate it only as a sorcery. But also we're going to be like potential crafting fuel. Seems like red blue cares a lot about artifacts. So there's, there's going to be some sweet things going on with map tokens. Yeah, I'm excited about that. So here we've got what looks like a banger of a common water wind scout. Two in a blue for a 2-2 two, two flyer. When it enters the battlefield, you get a map token. feels like they've really latched on to the three mana flyer plus a token. And these have been now previously, right? We had, uh, what was it? I forget what it was called in mom, but that was a three mana two, two flyer that had a one, one. Then we had Dunland, Crabane and Lord of the Rings, a one, one flyer that had a two, two token. Um, these have just been really strong. Interesting to see what map tokens are in terms of whatever, fraction of a card but rectangle theory solves that problem because it's just two rectangles well and you would get to explore on target creature with map tokens so this is potentially a three mana three three flyer with like some card selection with another one mana investment mm -hmm. very strong and the last thing here isn't really a new mechanic but just a new way to describe something and this is a finality counter so sometimes cards return other creatures to the battlefield <laughs> this is from the, the wizards article for one last chance at life i had to really like so for Explore, I don't know if you read the, the Wizards article, but like they were like, so sometimes you'll reveal land and you will be rewarded for finding new territory. And the, I'm like, please just tell me what the card does and stop <laughs> giving me the flavor explanation. Um, anyway, so you re return creatures to the battlefield for one last chance of life. And if they would die, they're exiled instead. So now these creatures will enter the battlefield with finality counters. So for example, we have an intrepid paleontologist, one in green for a 2-2 rare. You tap to add a mana of any color, two tap to exile target card from a graveyard, and you can cast dinosaur creature spells from among cards you own exiled with intrepid paleontologist. If you cast a spell this way, it comes into play with a finality counter on it. Rare. So we don't care about it, right? I do think this exists at non-rare. I want to say I've seen it at non-rare. It does, for sure. So uh, 
and certainly has existed in the past, but so just something to know. And I think things will probably be errated as such. All right, let's take a quick ad break and then we'll be back with some specific cards. As we get older, our responsibilities and challenges increase, causing stress levels to rise. Prioritizing quality sleep is one of the best ways to take care of yourself. Tell that to Jonah. Actually, no, my 10-month-old is luckily (laughs) a pretty good sleeper, but that still means I'm up earlier than I ever would be otherwise to be with him in the morning, which means it's important for me to make every minute of sleep at night count. And the Hatch Restore 2 lets me do just that. This innovative all-in-one dream machine is a sophisticated sound machine, light, and alarm clock, beautifully designed for your bedside table. Good rest allows you to be the best version of yourself, which is why the Hatch Restore 2 was engineered to help you form healthy sleep habits. It helps you focus on falling asleep easier, waking up more rested, or both. I want to talk about the light alarm aspect of the Hatch, which I thought I wouldn't be into, honestly. So it's like simulates a sunrise that begins about 30 minutes prior to your alarm, but it actually makes a difference. I naturally will wake up due to that light while it's still, because now it's pitch black outside in the morning before 7 o'clock, 7 30, and it makes getting out of bed much easier. Like a good draft deck, great sleep can't be forced, but the Hatch Restore is here to help. Right now, Hatch is offering our listeners $20 off your purchase of Hatch Restore and free shipping at hatch.co slash lol. Sleep deeply and wake gently with the Restore. Go to hatch.co slash lol to get $20 off and free shipping. That's hatch.co slash lol. And now back to the show. All right, we're going to jump in with the signpost uncommons. We have four of these. We got spoiled so far. last set. All t- we all- did. We had all ten. Yeah, all ten were just and like color pair descriptions. Yeah, nowhere to be found. The only thing that I feel like we've been told. I was looking for an article. Maybe it'll be out tomorrow about the color pairs. Uh, the only thing I think we've known so far is Morrow has said that dinosaurs. You know, in Ixalan, there's dinosaurs, pirates, vampires, and merfolk. Merfolk. Thank you. The dinosaurs is the only one that's going to be like deep enough to do like dinosaur typal in limited, but I haven't been able to find any other information. Yeah. So this first signpost uncommon we've got here, the blue white one is card I'm very excited about. This looks quite strong. It is master's guide mural, three white blue for an artifact. When ETBs make a four, four white and blue golem artifact creature token. And then it has craft with artifact for four white, white, blue. So seven total mana. You exile this and another artifact you control from either the battlefield or your graveyard. And then you return this transformed as Master's Manufactory, which is an artifact that has the ability tap, create a four, four white and blue golem artifact creature token. Activate only if this or another artifact entered the battlefield under your control this turn. So when you craft, you will be able to activate this because this exiles and then comes in. And then any other time you get an artifact, woof, that's a problem. <laughs> yeah, card screams build around, screams late game, screams a lot of things I want to do in magic. Yeah. Next up, we got blue red. This is Captain Storm Cosmium Raider. It's blue red for a 2-2 legendary creature human pirate. Whenever an artifact enters the battlefield under your control, put a plus one plus one counter on target pirate you control. So looks to be pirates slash artifacts, but nice to see a little bit of uh, archetype bleed already between, you know, blue, white and blue, red caring about artifacts. Well, and kind of flavorful too, like pirates, maybe map tokens, you know, they're reading the treasure map, trying to go search for that buried treasure, all that stuff. But I think pirates, from what I've seen so far, look like they've got pretty strong synergy going on. I agree. I, I got to take this next one. I'm so excited about this next card. This is Bartolome del Presidio. This is white, black for a 2 1. <laughs> like, Italian. This isn't Mario. This is Spanish. Well, how would you say it? <laughs> Everything you did without the E at the end. 
Ah, that's tough. I told you. Next week we'll get all the we'll get it down. I'll I'll get my Spanish lessons from Ben. Uh, it's white black for a two one legendary creature vampire knight. Sacrifice another creature or artifact. Put a plus one plus one counter on Bartolome. That is nice. Love to see some aristocrats, baby. <laughs> yeah, card's gonna be good if there's any sort of support for it. And lastly, we've got the blue black one here, which is Uchenbach, the Great Mistake. Three blue black for a six four with vigilance and menace, and it's got descend eight Oof. while paying four blue black. So you have to have eight cards in your graveyard and then pay six mana to return this from your graveyard to the battlefield with a finality counter on it. Activate only if there are eight or more permanent cards in your graveyard and only as a sorcery. Still so five mana six four vigilance menace that can come back. Pretty decent. Um, let's talk about craft some more because I'm really excited about crafting. We saw a master's guide mural. We saw that three mana artifact in red. Let's, let's look at a few others. These are, I think, going to be kind of hard to clock initially. So first up, we have spring loaded saw blades, one and a white for an artifact with flash. When it enters the battlefield, it deals five damage to target tapped creature and opponent controls. Okay. So variation on a two mana deal five to an attacker. Then it has craft with artifact. So three and a white. Exile this, exile another artifact, either you control or in your graveyard, and then return it to the battlefield, transformed as a sorcery. Transforms into Blade Wheel Chariot. It's a 5-5 vehicle with crew 1, or you can tap two other untapped artifacts you control to have it become an artifact creature until end of turn. So two different ways to crew it, right? Either a creature with one power or tapping two untapped artifacts. Yeah. So, I mean, you were saying might be hard to clock craft as in like, might be hard to figure out how good the mechanic is or how synergistic it's going to be. That's what you meant when you said yeah, that, Yeah, right? like I think, you know, one of the, we got a, a nice question from a, a patron this weekend that was about like, you know, they're really taking the episode that we did a couple weeks ago to heart about card evaluation and looking at power and all that stuff. Like, and they were th- trying to to play along with spoiler season. And so I think it might be interesting for us to like, you know, dive into, okay, well, how are we how are we evaluating cards when they're so new like this? Like we've never seen craft as a mechanic. And I think there's a few pieces to take into account. You and I are are always going to look at what's the floor, right? What are you getting up front? Like, what do you always get? What does this card reliably do? And a two mana instant speed deal five to an attacker or a tapped creature. It's pretty good. Yeah, this this card is excellent. So yeah. this this just passes the power level test on its own, even with no other craft and no other building right. around craft, right? Because the thing you get up front is worth a magic card and a pretty good magic card at that. Like it's a slightly above average card that then is going to have other synergy potentially. So maybe you're going to turn this into a five five vehicle, which is incredible it's like for two mana plus four mana you get a five five vehicle crew one which is a good vehicle and then you also get this removal spell combined into one card that's strong or if you maybe for some reason don't want the five five vehicle which i don't know why you wouldn't but this is also going to be on the battlefield to be crafting material for your other artifacts with craft this card just does it all yeah and i don't know if there's been a card like this that's been previewed yet or if it will even be in the set but oftentimes white and or blue actually i do know I think it I think there is one. I don't know if it only picks up creatures, but this being like again two rectangles. So it like does the thing, then it leaves behind this as an artifact that you can pick up potentially. Or maybe you sacrifice this and then you rebuy it from the graveyard, right? That's there's a lot more flexibility to this. So this is already like the effect that is attached to this, the deal five to a tapped creature. It's already something you would play, right? That's I'd give that, I don't know, a C, C plus, and maybe even higher, like it's Kellen's light blades if it's in a control deck, right? It's just 
excellent if you are are trying to be more defensive. And then with all that tacked on synergy, the sky is kind of the limit. Yeah, this card is truly great. Like, yeah. Solid B, I would say. And the card you were referring to is Mischievous Pup. It's two and a white for a 3-1 with flash. And when it ETBs, you can return up to one other target permanent you control to its owner's hand. Yeah, so that's pretty sick with these like crafty things that enter the battlefield, do something, and then are just sitting around. All right, next up, this is a significantly less good craft <laughs> card. This is Sunbird Standard, which is three mana for an artifact. You can tap to add one mana of any color, and then you craft with one or more permanent cards and pay five. And it flips into Sunbird Effigy, which is an artifact creature bird construct that has flying, vigilance, and haste, and its power and toughness are equal to the colors among cards exiled with this to craft it and then it also taps to add one mana of any color for each color among cards exiled to craft it so worth noting with craft you can do more than it says right so this says craft with one card if you only craft this with one card and it's a monocolored card you're only going to get a one one flying vigilance haste which is not great but maybe in the late game you exile you know you've got your sweet wooberg five color brew and you turn this into a five five flyer or maybe your two colors in a splash and you exile three cards a three three flyer so different things going on here yeah like i, th- I mean again thinking about the base level like a three mana mana rock is not great in limited like unless it's sort of a necessary evil i would say like if you are doing some sort of sweet five color brew then you really are going to get, you know, all parts of this card eventually, right? If you think about, okay, this is going to help me cast some splash stuff. And then eventually maybe I can have this be a 3-3 or a 4-4 flyer. All right, next up we have Clay Fired Bricks. This is one and a white for an artifact. When it enters the battlefield, search your library for a basic planes card, reveal it, put it into your hand, then shuffle. You gain two life. Oh my gosh, it's everything I want to do. Hit land drops, <laughs> gain life. And then it has craft with artifact for five white white, so seven mana, that's a lot. Exile this, exile another artifact, and then return it transformed into Cosmium Kiln. It's an artifact. When it enters the battlefield, you get two one one colorless gnome artifact creature tokens. And then creatures you control get plus one, plus one. Yeah, this card looks very strong. Again, if you look at it card evaluation wise, like it meets the floor of replaces itself with the planes, gains some life, like obviously is only ever going into a control deck or a craft control deck. But craft just by its very nature wants you to play for the late game because you need to get those materials in the graveyard. Mm-hmm. And then late in the game, you're going to get an anthem two two twos for seven mana, help you stabilize the board. This is a, a premium Magic the Gathering card for sure. Lastly, here in the craft section, we've got Market Gnome. Speaking of more craft fodder, this is white for an O3. Whenever it dies, you gain a life and draw a card. And whenever it's exiled from the battlefield while you're activating a craft ability, you gain a life and draw a card. So this is only going in a craft deck, but is going to be very good in a craft deck, right? So normally we don't want death triggers on cards, but the fact that you know you're going to be able to get this to die via crafting while also helping you survive until you want to craft with it, it's just a, a great roadblock against the aggro decks, helping you to bridge to the late game and then turn your craft cards into more powerful cards because you have good crafting material. I wonder, you know, thinking about coming off of Woe and how like bargain was so much harder to come by than bargain fodder. Like, I wonder if craft fodder is going to be tough to come by. Like, I wonder if this is going to be just something where you're like, okay, the craft card, I'm always taking craft cards over this. Right, because the craft is what I need to make this better. And then I probably just the craft sort of is craft material itself. 
right? I, I, I wonder about a card like this, if this is ever going to really be... Obviously, you play it, but I just don't think it's going to be that high of a pick. I would agree it's not going to be a high pick, but in blue-white, it's going to be an excellent Magic the Gathering card. I would be shocked if this were not great in blue-white. He's Absolutely the, he's shocked. I'd be floored. He would be floored. Okay, well, I'm just going to... I'm going to say, like, I don't know, one mana 03, is, it's a tough sell. Tough sell, buddy. No, no. This card's good. You can't tell our listeners this card isn't good in a blue-white deck. I don't know. I don't know what a blue-white deck looks like yet. Neither do you. I'm quite confident. I bet you are. Um, <laughs> next up, we have one transforming double-faced card, a sort of traditional one. This is Dowsing Device, one in a red for an artifact. When it or another artifact enters the battlefield under your control, up to one target creature you control gets plus one, plus oh, and gains haste until end of turn. Then transform Dowsing Device if you control four or more artifacts. Okay. It transforms into Geode Grotto. It's a land. It's a cave. Do all of these transform into caves? I think a lot of them do. I wasn't able to see if all of them do. Yeah. I mean, Treasure uh, Map doesn't, but that's a <laughs> reprint. So yeah, maybe not all of them. It transforms into Geode Grotto. It's a land cave. It taps for a red mana. You can also pay two in a red and tap it to have until end of turn, target creature gains haste and gets plus X plus O, where X is the number of artifacts you control. Activate only as a sorcery. This card has a much... Uh, lower floor than the previous cards. This just screams like build around to me. Now, how good of a build around this will be remains to be seen. But what's possible here, like if you can get a very high artifact count deck, this is going to be quite a powerful card in that deck. Well, and for example, we've already seen cards that are artifact creatures. So this works super well with something like Dynamaton, for example, which is three and a red for a four, three dinosaur gnome. It's an artifact creature with menace. And when an ETB's target creature you control gains menace until end of turn, this then all of a sudden is going to be entering as a five, three haste menace. Oh, God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's pretty sick. I didn't put that together. That's cool. Yeah. So so maybe it's some sort of like tempo aggro red based artifact style deck brewing here. All right, that takes us to our next mechanic, which is Explore. And we've got several cards here with Explore on them, as well as kind of an Explore build around. So that's up first here. We've got Twists and Turns. It's a single green for an enchantment. If a creature you control would explore, instead scry one, then that creature explores. Whenever Twists and Turns enters the battlefield, target creature you control explores. So you're going to get some value even if you don't play it on turn one. And then when a land enters the battlefield under your control, if you control seven or more lands, transform twists and turns into mycoid, 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 into mycoid maze, which is a land cave taps for a green and then has the activated ability three green tap. Look at the top four cards of your library. You can reveal a creature card from among them and put it into your hand. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. Yeah, I mean, like I, I want this <laughs> to be good is is this good this feels like similar to um gosh what's it called season of growth like when a creature enters the battlefield you scry and then if you target it like i don't know what's your take on this card well except it explores Uh this is going to give you card advantage right i mean so let's say you play it let's say you play it on turn one for a single green very low investment right Mm -hmm. and then you're chaining creatures that presumably are going to explore if this is in your deck so you're going to help those creatures more reliably hit land drops by having them scribe before they explore Mm -hmm. which is good and then if you play it late in the game with a creature already on the battlefield this itself explores which is going to give you a chance to replace itself for free and once you get to seven lands this dig impulsing for creatures in the late game like this is a late game card late game build around in an explore deck but i think it's 
quite strong there for only one mana invested. Yeah, that's fair. My my hesitation is we're already like falling into our roles of optimist and pessimist about uh, preview season. So good. That's what the people want, um, right? I know, I know. I, know. I, I wonder about cards like this where it's like an explore build around. Explore is already a good mechanic. Like you don't need stuff to make explore better. And like what, and you also need a sort of, not critical mass, but you need like half a dozen creatures that say explore at least before you're happy playing twists and turns. I just, I, yeah, again, I'm, I'm sort of like the, 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 there's a low, low floor of this card. Whereas like I can just pick up explore creatures and not worry about this because explore is just good. Sure. I mean, I, I think this card has a lot of potential. If this card cost three or four or something, I would be totally off it. Yeah. I, I'm intrigued by it costing one. Yeah. That's where my optimism is coming from. Uh, next up, let's, let's chat about some Explorer creatures. So we have Cenote Scout. This is single green for a 1-1. One, one. Just simple. 1-1, one, one. when it enters the battlefield, it explores. So this is either going to be a 1-mana 2-2 two, two with Surveil 1 or a 1-mana one, 1-1 one, one that draws you a land. Both of those things are quite strong. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's just generally, there are probably going to be some clunky-ish costed creatures with Explore. But my memory of Explore in OG Ixlon was like, if it felt, it's kind of like ring tempting, like even the clunky creatures with Explore were pretty good. Well, that's going to get put to the test here. We've got Pathfinding Axjaw, which is three and a green for a four, three dinosaur. When ETBs, it explores. Greater garbage. I guess, okay, I guess there needs to be a caveat here, right? The ch- cheap creatures. Yes, the cheap creatures with Explore were excellent. I think anything, anything one and two mana that says Explore, truly excellent. Because it, ha- even it three mana lands, right? Yes, you get to keep more hands. And then even three mana ones are pretty good. Uh-huh. Definite fall off once they start to cost four or more, certainly if there is vanilla as Pathfinding Extra. Yeah, this this is garbage, right? Next up, we've got Miner's Guidewing, which is not. No. This is one mana for a 1-1 one, one Flying Vigilance. And whenever it dies, target creature you control explores. Except it's interesting. So dies, target creature you control explores versus like dies, get a map token. Like this requires you to have something in play as well to get the full value of this card. Not that difficult, obviously, and certainly helpful. And and also nice in multiples, right? If you like this wears <laughs> explore so well, like if you have other things that make map tokens, nice to be able to target this to explore because it's flying and vigilant. Um, So definitely good, but just worth noting that you may not always get the value here. Yeah, I don't know. I Initially, I thought this explored on ETB. I had read it at a glance. I'm a little cooler on this. I could see this card not panning out depending on what the format looks like. This will either be something you'll almost always want or almost never play. I think I don't think there's going to be a lot of in between. Yeah, so that's the, the common version. This is the uncommon version. This is Spyglass Siren, single blue one one flyer. And when it ETBs, you get a map token. That's just incredible. That's the one that's excellent. That's what I was thinking of. I had those two cards confused. I knew there were a lot of one drop creatures that explored. All right, that takes us on to Discover as our next mechanic. We haven't seen Discover much, but here's potentially a broken payoff (laughs) for limited. Although, yeah, I don't know. We'll we'll get into it. Yeah. Yeah. So three and a red for a three, three. And it's a human artificer. It says whenever you discover, discover again for the same value. 
This ability triggers only once per turn. So it's that that sweet spot of four mana three three payoff card in limited that's really fallen flat like a lot in the last several sets. And we haven't said the, the name of this card because it hasn't been previewed in English yet. So it, the, the translation is curator of sun's creation, but that may not end up holding up. Yeah, that's my feeling, especially again, I'm going to go back to discover is so good. Again, this is like fixed cascade. I don't actually need a fragile four mana three three that doesn't do anything itself. That's like, oh, this broken mechanic is going to be really broken when it happens. Like, I think I'm on no, no thanks to curator here. You're on garbage. I think I'm on garbage also. Yeah. I, I also think, yeah, your point about the four mana three three, you know, whatever payoff build around has just, I mean, you've never wanted it. Yeah. It's been tough. Uh, dinosaurs. Are you excited? Or how do you, what's your, what's your Jurassic Park relationship? Or do you have a lot of nostalgia for that movie? I have a lot of trauma with that movie. I watched it when I was like five years old or something. Yeah. When did that come out in 92? 93. Right? Yeah. So I was like five or six years old, somehow saw that movie. I don't know what my parents were doing. Yeah. And then for about the next, five years of my life we had this really long hallway upstairs in our house and my bedroom was at the end of the hallway and there was like a closet where our furnace was and i was just like convinced that a velociraptor was going to bust out of this closet and just eat me for about five years so yeah not uh, jurassic park was the only one i watched and i was wow. not a fan was, i was, was pretty uh, traumatized. i was not expecting that strong of, that strong of a negative reaction there i've been uh i've been excited seeing those jurassic park cards coming out and dinos are sweet so we've got belligerent yearling up first this is one in a red for an uncommon one in a red for a three two trample two made a three two trample and says whenever another dinosaur enters the battlefield under your control you may have belligerent yearlings base power become equal to that creature's power until end of turn holy cow yeah that I card's was, a beating i was like where's the downside nope no downside, just all upside. And then we've got just a lot of fairly vanilla dinosaurs here that we're just going to rattle through. So Rampaging Ceratops, five mana, five, four. It's a four and a red. Um, can't be blocked except by three or more creatures and is a five, four. Just a beater. Another beater here, Colossodactyl, two green, green for a four, five. This is uncommon. So crushing the vanilla test at four mana, four, five. Crushing the French vanilla test because it has reach and trample. Plays offense and defense. Yeah. It's just a lot of stats for the mana cost. Mm -hmm. And lastly, we've got Scythe Claw Raptor here, which is two and a red for a four, three. It's a dinosaur. And whenever a player casts a spell, if it isn't their turn, this deals four damage to them. I can't tell if you're going to be more excited to stick this and be like, taste it counter spells, or if you are going to be having counter spells more in your deck and be dreading seeing this hit the battlefield. Like, where does this land on the why me versus taste it scale? Oh, this is going to be a why me card for sure. I mean, from my perspective, but also worth noting it's global, right? So like it's going to affect uh -huh. your own instance if you play this in your deck. So this is very much going to go in like dinosaurs. I am casting my creatures and killing your creatures at sorcery speed yeah. like type deal. The decks we are very unlikely to uh, to pilot ourselves. It'll be interesting to see dinosaurs. My memory was they were just kind of clunkers in OG Ixalan. Um, they got a lot better in Rivals. Um, be interesting to see how they play out here. Well, it just depends on how many cards they get like Belligerent Yearling. I mean, yes. that's making me interested in drafting dinosaurs. The other ones, not so much. What, and what do the commons look like? Like, are the commons all clunky or are there some really strong ones? We have not seen almost any removal spells yet for this format. No, which is wild. Kind of wild. Well, 
that's one of the defining features of original Ixalan for me was the removal was so bad. This is why auras, you know, people, one of the cards I think about when I think about original Ixalan is one with the wind, one in a blue enchantment, enchanted creature gets plus two, plus two and flying a card that you often think like, how can you risk putting that on a creature? Well, it's because the pacifism variant in that format costs four mana. <laughs> pious interdiction there was um a five mana deal for in red like there the removal was terrible and so you were able to but take compare that to like ways to protect your creatures like dive down single blue plus oh plus three and hex proof until end of turn like so i don't know are they doing a return to form they're just like eh, no removal necessary this time around but we do have one spell it's dusk rose reliquary single white for an artifact as an additional cost to cast the spell sack an artifact or creature it has Ward 2, and when it enters the battlefield, you exile target artifact or creature and opponent controls until Duskrow's Reliquary leaves the battlefield. So it's sort of interesting white version of like Bone Splinters. Yeah, like I sa- think this is... Sack a thing, kill a thing. Sack a thing, kill a thing, which is, I think, largely cool. I, yeah. I could see some stuff going on with this. I can't imagine it would be a super high pick, but it will be a synergy piece mm-hmm. if you have the cards to go well with it. Yeah. All right, that takes us into a couple counter spells that have been spoiled. The first one here is pretty cool. Uh, Hurl into History it says three blue blue for an instant counter target artifact or creature spell. Discover X where X is that spell's mana value. So this is going to be a huge swing if you manage to stick this. This is an uncommon. Yeah, five mana counter of whatever three four five and then you get to potentially cat like sure it could flip a one drop for you but if this flips something and then you just get to play it immediately that's pretty awesome yeah cards cards quite strong i'm excited about that card we've also got confounding riddle it says two in a blue for an instant you choose one look at the top four cards of your library put one into your hand and the rest into your graveyard or counter target spell unless it's controller pays four so this is nice and modal we got an interesting question on twitter i think someone uh, made the same mistake that many people are doing, which is that they um, thought this might have been a common because it's impossible to tell from the set symbols. Um, but they were questioning, which is a better three drop common in blue, this or the three mana two two flyer that makes a map token? If this were a common, the three mana two two flyer that makes a map token. But one thing I didn't quite note on this the first time around that I just got when we read it is that the others go into your graveyard. That's not going to be nothing oh. when for craft decks and things like that. Like if you don't need to counter something, this is another way to dip things into your graveyard. That's huge. Yeah, yeah. I thought because I saw people be like, this is a just, you know, strictly better Supreme Will. And I thought it was because it was counter unless they pay four instead of counter unless they pay three. But yeah, this also mills the other three cards. That's awesome. Okay. Sweet. All right, it takes us on to a category of card that is uh, quite appealing to me. My favorite cube card is Tide Hollow Sculler. It's two it's it's two mana, black and a white, so two mana total for a two-two, and then ETBs, you get to look at your opponent's hand, choose a card, exile it, and it stays exiled until Tide Hollow Sculler leaves the battlefield. So we've got a variant of that here that looks quite strong. I mean, that effect is less powerful in normal limited than it is in cube, but this is still, I think, going to be a good card. This is Deep Cavern Bat, one in a black for a 1-1 flying lifelink. When ETBs look at target opponent's hand, you can exile a non-land card from it until Deep Cavern Bat leaves the battlefield. And we've also got a common Skullcap Snail, one in a black for a 1-1, and when it enters the battlefield, target opponent exiles a card from their hand. So nice that it doesn't make them discard, right? So it doesn't get that thing into their graveyard. It's just gone. It'll be interesting to see what the then what is the use for a two-mana 1-1 one, one 
in the format because like virus beetle was so great with ninjutsu and it was an artifact what are the uses going to be for the skull caps now we'll see well i mean you're going to potentially be able to craft with it if you get a craft with permanent cards and uh-huh. not artifact cards right there's some craft cards that use permanence you're also we already saw the thing that picks stuff up the mischievous pup you're gonna be able to pick this up with mischievous pup and re-rack it and use it again so like of those two cards cube wise Deep Cavern Bat is a much better card. In normal limited, I think Skullcap Snail is going to be a better card than Deep Cavern Bat, most Correct. likely. And which is, is I think, tough to wrap your head around maybe sometimes. It's also interesting to note, like Deep Cavern Bat, again, Flying Lifelink, that where if you have map tokens, if you have when it dies, target creatures, explores, whatever, like, oh boy, does Flying Lifelink wear plus one plus one counters well. Well, but it's already got a giant target right, on its back because your opponent wants their card back. Mm. But... If if there's a, a lack of removal again in the format, you know, could potentially be a great card. Uh, we've got some variations on a theme here, some reprints or functional reprints. First up is Helping Hand. Unearth is back. Single white for a sorcery. Return target creature card with mana value three or less from your graveyard to the battlefield tapped. I'd be so curious to see how this plays out. Like, I feel like the recommission return triumphant variants have been good to great. And then with Explore floating around, like you can get a pretty big mana discount on a three drop. I don't know. Yeah, I'm intrigued by that card for sure. Hadn't thought about it in tandem with Explore. I like it. Next up, we've got Defossilize, which is a rise from the grave variant, the five mana bring a thing back. So this is four and a black for an uncommon sorcery. Return target creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield. That creature explores, then explores again. Double explore. And I know you're excited with this in tandem with land cyclers are back as they're reanimating this format. I think there might be. So we've got a cycle of land cyclers, I assume, because we've already seen green and black so far. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got Rampaging Spike Tail here, which is four black black for a five six swamp cycler. So you can pay two mana, cycle it, and search your library for a swamp. And when it enters the battlefield, target creature control gets plus two plus O oh, and gains indestructible until end of turn. That one isn't going to be too exciting to reanimate. But the green one that we'll get to in the greater garbage segment is, I think, going to be quite exciting to reanimate. And there's also Soul Coil Viper at Uncommon, which is a three mana two three. And you can play black tap sack it to return target creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield with a finality counter on it so i do think with like you know exploring creatures into the bin maybe milling them with that you know counter spell draw variant we just saw in blue i do think there'll be ways to do this yeah it certainly looks supported uh we've talked about mischievous pup that's the way to pick something up there are some good things to pick up as well Mm -hmm. for example we've got malamut war scribe uh this is Pretty good aggro curve topper, and then heaven forbid you re-rack it with the pup. This is three white white for a four three. When it enters the battlefield, creatures you control get plus two plus one until end of turn. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that. Like, so trial of whatever, maybe ambition. Solidarity? Solidarity. Good for you. I was never in a million years was I going to get solidarity. You could play that and then pick it up with a cartouche. I And that was definitely a game. Obviously, solidarity gave vigilance, which was important, but yeah. This is, if you ever get to do this twice, hello. Uh, pour one out for Colossal Dreadmaw, because there's Earthshaker Dreadmaw here at Uncommon. 4GG for a 6-6 with Trample. When it enters the battlefield, draw a card for each other dinosaur you control. You're shaking your head. I mean, Colossal Dreadmaw is a common and will 
continue on in perpetuity. This is an uncommon. People are saying strictly better Colossal Dreadmaw move over. No, this is an uncommon. Colossal Dreadmaw will always have a special place in my heart as a common. It, is it not? It feels like it's not going to get a reprint here, which feels criminal. I mean, we don't know. There have been hardly any commons spoiled. That's fair. I guess the, uh, the only reason I'm taking it is because of the the green land cycler that we've seen. It'd be hard to be like, and there's this seven mana derpy dino and a six mana derpy dino. Like, I don't know. I would be a little disappointed if I they know. didn't reprint it. Honestly, because I think they're in on the joke with the community at this point. It seems like they're very in touch with the community and Colossal Dreadmaw has become a bit of a meme. Well, because <laughs> yeah, there the was a, community. for folks who weren't playing five years ago or whatever, it got reprinted like in like something ridiculous, like three or four sets in a row. People are like, what is happening? <laughs> design is dead yeah so people got laid off the people who designed large green cards yeah lastly here we've got compass gnome which is two mana for a two one etbs search your library for a basic land card or a cave card reveal it then shuffle and put that card on top the fact that this can get and we'll talk about caves in just a second the fact that this can get the sort of um signpost land like campus guide could but then i was sort of bummed that uh dune mover could only get basic lands in fire xlb1 couldn't get the like the tapped lands let you draw or couldn't even get your your Murex if you happen to draft it, whatever. I'm excited that this can get caves. And these do generally, I guess it'll depend on the speed of the format. If it's a fast format, this card generally tends to overperform. Yeah, I, I like Compass Gnome quite a bit. I like this effect. I'm a sucker. No, I, I've come around. I'm, I've usually pushed back against this effect. And after certainly how good Dune Mover was, I think I'm going to come in a little hotter on Compass Gnome. Let's talk about caves be really interested to hear your thoughts here. So there's a cycle of common lands that are caves. We'll look at the white one here. They all do the same thing. They This is Hidden Courtyard. It enters the battlefield tapped. It taps for uh, a single color. So this is the white one, taps for white mana. And then you can pay four white tap. So four and a white, five mana, plus tap this. So that's going to be six mana total. Sack Hidden Courtyard, discover four, activate only as a sorcery. So that will let you, you know, look at the top cards of your library until you find something with mana value four or less, be able to cast it for free. Yeah, these cards are quite strong. I, I like these a lot. I'm coming in pretty high on them initially. Different than a lot of the lands that like are clunky and cost a lot of mana to draw a card right. or to scry. Like this is going to let you impact the battlefield the turn that you don't have anything going on when you decide to discover with it. I, I think these are pretty darn good. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see where these end up in pick orders, right? Like we think back to our first set, Hour of Devastation, there were deserts in that set. And some of the deserts were the top common in those colors, or certainly among the top three commons in those colors. You see, saw them pick five, pick six, you might start drafting that color for those deserts. I don't know how I feel about value lands these days. Like these, I feel like commons are designed too well now for these to probably crack the top three commons in their colors. So then it's a question of how often do these get cracked? Where do you want to pick them up, et cetera? Well, they're going to slot index in a number of ways too. That's the other reason I think they're going to be fairly high picks, right? Because just a normal deck is probably going to want at least one to two caves of your two colors, right? But there's also a 
fair amount of support for cave build arounds, mm-hmm. it seems. So th- it seems like there will be a caves deck. Yes. And are you going to be able to get enough caves because other people are going to want the caves? Like, I just think all of that's going to be an interesting puzzle to solve. And I'm curious to see where it all lands. I agree. Uh, at Uncommon, we have Cavernous Maw. This is a cave. It taps for colorless. And you can pay two to have Cavernous Maw become a 3-3 elemental creature until end of turn. It's still a cave. And you can only activate this if the number of other caves you control plus the number of cave cards in your graveyard is three or greater. So that's the other thing about the cave matters stuff. And this is a throwback to the deserts, right? The desert matters stuff cared about deserts in play for you or deserts in your graveyard. So too, it's true for the caves in this format. They're going to be looking at caves in play plus caves in your yard. I'm not a huge fan of Cavernous Maw. Yeah, I think certainly it being colorless colorless is probably going to be a a tough sell because I would imagine you're going to be dipping into at least three colors if you were trying to build around. I agree. Next up, this land looks quite strong. This is Pit of Offering. It's a cave, enters the battlefield tapped, and when ETBs exile up to three target cards from graveyards, taps for a colorless or taps to add a man of any color among the exiled cards. So it could potentially hose your opponent's graveyard, and it looks like there's a fair amount of graveyard stuff going on. Yeah, except... You can't play this as like your first, what, four lands? Because this is just a colorless land. I don't think this is that good and limited. But it's like waste with huge upside. ETB taps waste. waste. Kind of a t- kind of a tough sell. ETB tap waste that like he's going to tap for colorless only a good portion of the time. But if you don't draw it in your opener, the, <laughs> the game goes the, to turn 10. The, the improvement when drawn on this card is going to be through the roof on turn, 17 lands. Turn off descend. Cave. Yeah. Turn off descend and it's a try land. But like, yeah, I, I'm sort of out on pit of offering. I don't know. I'm, I'm curious. So we do have some caves matters cards as well here. The first up is sinuous benthosaur. This is five and a blue for a four, four uncommon dinosaur. When ETBs, you look at the top X cards, of your library where X is the number of caves you control plus the number of caves in your graveyard, put two of those cards in your hand and the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. So if you have two caves, this is six mana, four, four draw two, and any caves past that gets you card selection. Wow. This card's strong. This I is mean, if you really for a caves payoff. And this is going to be the type of card where like it's a well-designed card for the caves deck in the sense that that's going to be the only deck that wants this. Right. But you're going to get it if you've like carved out the caves lane for yourself, which is pretty cool. Well, and, the, and then the question becomes, is this good enough where this is, I'm going to pack one, pick one this, and this is a reason to get into the caves deck versus this is the thing where you're like, oh, once I'm in the caves deck, if this gets opened, it makes its way to me. Right. Well, and there's just a lot of cards like that that Uh we've seen already so far. That's why I have such huge hopes for this format, because we haven't even seen the signpost on commons. And I'm already like the brain juices are flowing. Could this be a deck? Could this be a deck? Like, it just seems like there's a lot of things all over the place that if even, you know, whatever, half of them turn out to be good, that the format's going to be, as I said earlier, quite deep. Uh, next payoff we have is Colossal Leech, seven and a black for a five, five with <sighs> lifelink. This is my spirit animal. It's one less to cast for each cave you control and have in the graveyard. I mean, how many caves can you get? Like, you got to get a lot of caves because you want to get this down to five mana to where you're feeling like you're getting away with something. Yeah, but it's going to help you stabilize. I love yeah. a lifelinker in a late game deck. Yeah. Card is card is legit. Next up, we've got Bat Cavern. Ooh. This is two and a white for an enchantment. When this enters the battlefield, make a 1-1 one, one black bat creature token with flying for each mana spent from a cave used to cast this spell. So potentially three mana, three, three one, one, one flyers. And then whenever a cave enters the battlefield under your control, put a plus one plus one counter on target creature you control. That card is 
screaming to have be, some caves. It's going to be really hard for me to see like this or like the Mold Drifter or the Life Linker pack one, pick one, and not just take that and then draft all caves and then end up with like 18 playables. Like, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome, but <laughs> not awesome for my win rate. Uh, last up, we have Spelunking. It's two and a green for an enchantment. When it enters the battlefield, you draw a card. Then you can put a land card from your hand onto the battlefield. If it was a cave, you gain four life. Lands you control enter the battlefield untapped. This is not good for limited, right? This doesn't do enough. This is great for limited. What are you talking about? No. This card's so good. Ben. It replaces itself. For three mana, and it doesn't do anything. But talk about your deck. Okay, let's say you get 10 caves, which is not crazy. I think it might be. It might be hard to do. We'll have to see because <laughs> caves look awesome, but you're going to put this in your caves deck no. and it's going to be a good card there. You're no stop. You're shaking your head at me like a crazy person. You're telling me if I say, Ethan, you successfully drafted the caves deck and you are base green. You're not putting Spelunking in your deck? Here's So would you agree that the Caves deck, I can't believe this is the card we're arguing about before, as a little teaser <laughs> before we get into Greater Garbage. The Caves deck is likely to be, uh, to use a loving term, a pile. Would you, <laughs> would you agree with that? A pile of great cards, yes. When I draft a pile, I have I operate from the perspective of I'm going to be behind. Yeah, which is why you want to gain four life every time you play a land. I, I'll, I'll happily pass these to you, my friend. Happily. Wait, it doesn't gain you four life every time you play a land. It's just for that land. Oh, all right. I'm significantly oh my less God, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. This card is not good. <laughs> okay. Less good. Uh, maybe playable. <laughs> not all right. good. All right. Let's I thought it. it was every cave. Uh, okay, could you agree with my stance? Every that it was cave every gains cave? you for life. Every cave is an omnath for you. Yeah, I think <laughs> that's what I thought it was. No, oh my god. Well, sorry about that. But okay, spelunking aside, I think you know we were talking about crafting. Like, going to be tough to clock to get there. Uh-huh. I've already seen enough caves payoff cards, plus caves being intrinsically valuable themselves. I'm in on caves. Like, this is. I would be shocked if it were not a real deck. You got to stop using the S word. In drafting. You're, you're, you're setting yourself <laughs> up for failure. You would be shocked. The takes. Deal two to me. Let's talk about <laughs> let's talk about some other cards you might be shocked if they are good or not in great or garbage, Ben. First up, we've got Old Tech Cloud Guard. Three and a white for a 3-2 flyer. When it enters the battlefield, you get a 1-1 colorless gnome artifact creature token. This is a tough one. This is really I was, tough. I was trying to decide it could it could be either. Um so the what are the what are the knobs turning in your head right now in terms of like cards you're comparing this to, things you're thinking about? Why is this why are you on the fence about this? Well, because I feel like greater garbage has sort of turned into does it cost three mana value or less or does it cost four mana value or more? And this is the four mana value or more category. So cards in that echelon have to be quite important to their archetype or archetypes, preferably to end up as high picks. It's tough for me to imagine this being a super high pick. This is also a common, correct? I think so. Yeah. You mean you can't tell? This is a super blurry you image you can't on tell? Spoiler here. You, dude, buddy, Stop I'm worried it. about you. You probably need to get your eyes checked. You're the I'm just worst. concerned. It's a very grainy image. <laughs> anyway, I I think I'm going to go, I want to say garbage, but this is going to be like chimney rabble and I'm going to yeah. be like, Ugh, you dingbat. But it's 
tough for me to imagine this being truly great. But again, we haven't seen removal. Like there's a lot of knobs to turn to know where this is going to look. Also interesting to note that the one one is an artifact, which is like relevant for crafting-ish. Yeah. I, I, I I'm going to say, I'm going to say garbage. All right, then I'm going to I'm going great. So we get. You're going to so do the opposite of whatever gonna, I did? Average. We I, got it covered. Lords of Limited yeah, was right about this card. Exactly. That's the takeaway. <laughs> no, I, I do think like, I think a 3-2 flyer that brings along a buddy is good enough. And this isn't like, you know, four mana 3-2 flyer is replacement level for sure, but it's not an embarrassing card. And I think the one one pushes it over. Now, do I think this is going to be the best common in white? No, I would be surprised if this were Chimney Rabble, but I think I wouldn't be surprised if this were in the top three. Well, and so we know it plays well with two of the archetype themes for sure, presumably, right? Mm -hmm. Blue-white crafting and white-black aristocrats. It's going to give you the 1-1 token for for the aristocrat stuff. All right. Well, we'll have to see. Next up, we've got Lurking Bat. This is white for a 1-1 flying lifelink. And at the beginning of your end step, if you descended this turn, scry one. This is just great. This shouldn't be on this list. This should not be on this list. This card is truly excellent. Yeah, for sure. It is. It will be interesting to see because we haven't seen removal. Like, is Skullduggery, is Rat Out? Like, what is the X1 hate coming for these cheap, exploring, map token making flyers, you know? Like, because sure, this card feels great on turn one, but will it feel great when your opponent goes rat out and then I get a one one or whatever that variant is that I'm, I have to imagine we're going to see in black at least. That's, this card's still great. I agree. That card exists. I agree. All right. Here's a, uh, here's your forest cycler, nurturing bristleback, five green, green for a five, five. So seven mana for a five, five. But when it enters the battlefield, you get a three, three dino token as well. And it has forest cycling for two so this is your like your engine piece for your reanimation stuff at common yeah this card is quite strong i think i I would say pretty easy great knowing that there's a reanimate sub theme yeah i think so and i do think again a very interesting thing is this triggers descend yeah right so we saw land cycling two in mom little too expensive. We saw land cycling one in LTR. Excellent. We're back to two here, but with the upside of want of this like synergizing with mechanics in terms of descend, plus it's synergizing with this like maybe, maybe black green just is a reanimate deck. We don't know, you know, um, but it's a, at least a sort of sub theme of a color or color pair. Yeah. This checks enough boxes that I'm pretty confident. It's great. All right. Poison dart frog. What's going on there? A little cutie, one in a green for a one-one with reach. Tap to add one man of any color, and you can pay two to give it death touch until end of turn. Is this good enough? They're putting a lot of text on these two mana mana dorks, trying to get them playable. Two mana, one-one. So, so the problem with these cards generally is that once it's turn five or whatever, this card doesn't matter anymore. So it solves that problem with hey, now it can gain death touch, so it can trade in combat with something you can trade with a flyer because it has reach i still go garbage really they've they've hooked me i'm in (laughs) they gave me enough i think this is going to be great i think this is going to be a premium defensive card in the late game i think this is going to help you ramp towards bigger and better stuff like imagine curving this into that stupid four five reach trample dinosaur like on turn three yeah but like so imagine curving this into any like yes i understand that you get ahead on mana i don't know how the mana dorks work (laughs) i'm just trying to think about like this versus um the fawn in woe like I, I do I do I prefer I think it'll just depend maybe on the prevalence of aggro, but I think I would prefer this to have toughness the turn it came into play. Like the fact that this can't engage in combat 
when you play it is really bad. I agree. I would rather this be, I think, a 2-1 so it can trade with bears or a 1-3 so it can hold off some stuff than have this late game value. I don't know, but you're hooked. Mm. You're going great. Uh, I'm in. I'm, right. I'm on great. I mean, like, not great, great, but, yeah, but I'll give it game. a single great. You got to go for the game. <laughs> you got to play the game. Next up is Explorer's Cache. I, I, or Cache. I can't. Cache. <laughs> We've incepted him. Let's go. <laughs> Next up is Explorer's Cache. This is one in a green for an artifact. It enters the battlefield with two plus and plus one counters on it. Whenever a creature you control with a plus and plus one counter on it dies, you put a plus and plus one counter on Explorer's Cache, and you can Tap it to move a counter from the cache to target creature, activate only as a sorcery. So before, like, green-white was dinosaurs in original Ixalan. Do we think green-white's going to be counters here? It certainly seems like there's some counter stuff going on with the Pirates card as well. I doubt there's going to be a team or counters deck, but that, that, that Pirate Uncommon put plus one plus one counters on things. I don't know why this card appeals to me. Like, I think this card is bad, but this, but I, like, this is a, I'm like, oh, but, but... You could, but it's just not good enough, right? Can we pause in our evaluation of this card for a bad beat story from my woe run? I lost to an opponent that assembled Agatha plus Toadstool Admirer (laughs) plus turning Agatha into a 4-4 plus they had hardened scales. So they like just popped off and could make giant toadstool admirers and give them trample with Agatha. This was in sealed. (laughs) This was in sealed. That's how my arena open runs. You gotta give it up. You gotta give it up for them, you know? Um, (laughs) Yeah. I'm going to go garbage on the cash here. I am also going garbage on the cash, but I'm intrigued. Yeah. Intrigued by the garbage. Yeah. Next up, we've got Creening Minecart. This is three mana for a 3-3. Whenever it attacks, create a treasure token. And it's got crew ones, a vehicle. They did it, right? They made a good vehicle for the first time in a while. Uh, three mana, three, three, crew, one. Attacks make a treasure token? Are you kidding me? It's fine. Oh, oh, sir. <laughs> this is, well, I mean, I, I feel like this is potentially one of the top uncommons to pack one, pick one in the set. Vibes. No. Yeah, colorless, baby. No. This card's great with a capital G. If it was attacks or blocks, like if it had the smuggler's copper Oh attacks, my god, maybe? I'm sorry, yes, certainly if it was better, it would be better, but like... <laughs> <laughs> but like, it's not even guaranteed to have good attacks on turn four. Plus you have another creature to crew it. I, I'm going garbage on this. What if this was just a three mana three three when it attacks, you make a treasure? That's significantly better. I think crew one is pretty close to that. Maybe. All right, look, more for me, I guess. Uh, yeah. <sighs> I don't know. It's tough. I, I'm, I, I'm going garbage. I thought this was going to be another like slam dunk. Why is this even on this list card? I can't believe you're going garbage on me. <laughs> Next up is Abyssal Gore Stalker. This is four black black for a six six at uncommon. When it enters the battlefield, each player sacrifices two creatures. Can I interest you in double edict attached to a six mana six six? You cannot. Yeah. I think this is this is garbage. Card's terrible. But but reanimate powerful. You can reanimate well, it. But it still sacrifices itself. I know. Yeah, it just doesn't do the thing. Yeah. And plus, other people are probably going to have Explore fodder running around. We've seen a number of tokens already. Yeah. I think this card just doesn't get there. I agree. Next up, we've got the Dig Site Conservator. This is two mana for a 2-1, and you can sacrifice it to exile up to four target cards from a single graveyard, activate only as a sorcery, and whenever it dies, you can pay four. If you do, discover four. I think this card's great. Yeah, I agree. This is a lot of text on one card. It's just a two drop that you can play early. It can shut off your opponent's graveyard later 
and you can time when you want to shut off your opponent's graveyard with discovering four. All of that seems truly strong to me. Well, and there's also going to be a point in the game where this is like kind of unblockable a little bit. Like your opponent will just gladly take two for some number of turns rather than give you the opportunity to discover four, I think. Like, you remember... um, On turns four, five, and six, you mean? Yeah. Like, I think in those turns, this is going to just get in. Like, remember Papercraft Decoy and Neo? Like, that was a two-mana two-one. When it died, you could pay... Or when it left the battlefield, you could pay two. And if you did, you drew a card. Like, there were definitely turns where I was like, I don't want you to draw a card. I'll take two. Sure, I think this has a similar vibe. I think great. Next is Gold Fury Strider. Wow, this really is just, does it cost four or more? Um, Four and a red for a (laughs) 3-5 artifact creature golem with trample. You can tap two untapped artifacts and or creatures you control. Target creature gets plus two plus oh until end of turn. Activate this ability only as a sorcery. So... You can use, you can tap itself, can tap other things, can be used the turn it comes into play, can target other creatures, can target itself, obviously, because it has trample. Well, let's start out with what it is, I think, before we dive into it, which is garbage. Would you agree? Five mana three. Look, you mean just taking account into everything the card is doing? Yes, I think this card is garbage. Like, I think you are rarely ever going to put this card in your deck in the format. But there was a lot of discussion in the Lords of Limited Discord. So I do think we should dive into why this card is garbage. First of which is it costs five mana, five mm-hmm. mana for a three, five trample is woefully understated for what you would expect to get for five mana. Correct. Because like you really want, as we, you know, we've, we talked about in just episodes prior takeaways from whoa, like your stuff that costs certainly four or more mana, it's really got to do something like right when it comes into play. And it's sort of, you can sort of get tricked into thinking, well, this can, right. You can, you can do the thing, but then it's tapped. If, if it itself is being used for that, which you would think it would be, then it's tapped. So it's not playing defense. Like it doesn't play offense or defense particularly well. It doesn't do the thing or it doesn't like do something impactful the turn it comes into play. It's not really checking a lot of boxes for me for a five mana play. Right. But it's interesting in that like it clearly tells you to do something, right? It tells you to draft some artifacts, tap it or use a bunch of artifacts. You can potentially swing for seven, nine with this. If you get a bunch of artifacts on the battlefield, combining it with map tokens, right? Like you can think of all these scenarios where it could do something. Mm-hmm. But like, is that something even something you're interested in to begin with? So, you know, going back to that power versus synergy episode, I don't think this breaks the power level entry for me to even enter into the conversation of what it can do synergistically. Correct. Yeah, I'm with you. I think garbage. (laughs) We're looking at this on uh, mythicspoiler.com and there's one comment from Mr. Andrew McLaughlin and he says... Trash. I'm going to agree with you, Andrew. It is trash. All right, bring us home. What's the last card? Self-reflection is the last one here. This is four blue blue for a sorcery. Create a token that's a copy of target creature you control. And it has flashback for three and a blue. Okay, so am I interested in six mana sorcery, copy a creature I control? Absolutely not. That's garbage. No, but this plays very well with the set's mechanics, which are explore explore, and presumably you're going to be trying to dump things into your graveyard, maybe with that impulse counterspell variant we saw. Like there's a lot of ways to turn this into a good card where you dip it into your graveyard and then pay four with flashback for free mm-hmm. to make a copy of a creature you control. And that card you are quite interested in. So how does this? So this is tough because I feel like this truly doesn't really land on the scale. Like I can't, I don't think, I guess I think this is garbage generally, but when I'm going to play this card, hopefully. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. Yeah. Yes. This card's great. It's a very narrow, great card. Yeah. And if you just realize like you never want to cast it for the upfront cost, not certainly like, you know, you top deck this, whatever, it's fine in the late game. 
in your opener, this card is atrocious, unless there are some looters. And I have to imagine with Descend that there are going to be some ways to loot or rummage. Let's talk about, I'm sure we're going to see whatever Tormenting Voice, Thrill of Possibility variant we're going to see. That card's going to be great in this format. Stonks. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. You ready to crash course it up next week or what? I am ready to crash course it up next week. Marching season is over. You'll almost have my full attention. This is this is the one or two more weeks and then I'll be less busy. And then I really will be less busy. All right. Great place to wrap us up. Any parting thoughts before we go? Never. I left it all in the field, Ben. Left it all in the field. Me as well. I think there's a lot of sweet stuff going on here. I'm excited for it. Yeah. Thank you, as always, to Salty Pretzels for our intro and outro music. Make sure you give it a listen. Thank you so much to CoolStuffInc.com for sponsoring this podcast. If you're heading over there, and we really hope you do head over there, for any and all purchases, please use code LOL at checkout to let them know we sent you there, and more importantly, to get a whopping 5% off of anything that you purchase. You can find all of our content on our website, lordsoflimited.com. Links to our Patreon there, links to our merch over at TeePublic, links to all of our episode backlogs, and of course, our other content on our Twitch streams, our YouTube channel, all of that at lordsoflimited.com. If you've got any feedback about the show or any questions, shoot us an email at lordsoflimited at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch you next week for another episode of Lords of Limited. Thanks, everybody. See you later. 